Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this podcast to share my journey of my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career and adjusting to stay-at-home mom life to help other women with their motherhood journeys or their work-life balance journeys so they can let go, make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. If you are a regular listener of One of a Kind You, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in to another episode of this podcast. If you are a new listener, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time to stop by and see what this is all about. For my new listeners, the way this podcast works is I read a journal entry of mine from about five or six years ago, and then I reflect on what I wrote then and what I know now as a certified life coach and as someone who's done all the work for healing inner, inner child issues and healing trauma. And so without further ado, I'm going to share the entry that I wrote on March 23rd, 2016. This morning's meditation in Journey Through the Heart was about comforting yourself and others. After reading it, I was more aware of my inability to comfort myself and others. When we were shopping with Chrissy and Elizabeth, Casey fell out of the stroller. Instead of comforting her, I responded with, that's what happens when you get out of the stroller while it's moving. Chrissy then picked Casey up and asked if she was okay. In this moment, it dawned on me that I should have comforted Casey regardless of her reason for falling. I don't comfort myself either. I'm constantly putting myself down and not supporting myself. These are learned behaviors from watching my mom treat herself this way, but also never being nurtured by my parents either. Looking back on it, it hurts and is disappointing my parents couldn't give me this because along with everything else, it has had a profound impact on me, my marriage, and my ability to be a good, healthy mother. Melody Beattie says to find a cozy place that makes me feel safe and loved. I really don't have that. Granted, I feel at peace in this house. I wouldn't say it is my go-to safe place. Maybe in time it will feel that way as we make it our own. She also says to learn to comfort myself, to accept it, and to give it to others. I'm going to make more of an effort to do this. I want to be able to comfort myself because this will help to make the struggles and challenges I face more manageable. Also, it will teach the girls to be more nurturing to themselves and others, which is important. So, um, as I read this, there's a lot of victim mentality going on here, but first and foremost, I am embarrassed, and I was probably embarrassed then that I did not comfort Casey when she fell out of the stroller and instead said, that's what happens when you get out of the stroller while it's moving. I think, um, not to justify that because that wasn't okay for me to say that to Casey, um, but I think it was from being in a place of being overwhelmed and not being in a place of being fully present and not being in a place of really understanding um, the patterns that I was running in terms of being distracted, being disconnected, being overwhelmed, and really being in the thick of the victim state that I was in and putting a lot of blame and emphasis on experiences from my childhood because Um, I was really stuck there in that place because every week going to the therapist, that's all we talked about was the codependency, the anxiety, the childhood emotional neglect. And it was just this constant uh, hamster wheel of reliving the pain, the trauma, the struggles, the challenges over and over and over with no clear path for moving past it. And so I was stuck in this land of trying to self-heal and I was really struggling because I was reading all the books. I was reading all the books on codependency. I had workbooks that I was doing. 
or I had workbooks that I bought and I would do a couple pages and then it would feel overwhelming and I would quit. And so I really couldn't see past the um, struggles that I had. And so I felt bad for myself. I felt like that was just going to be the existence for the rest of my life. I was never going to get past it. That was just my lot in life and I was kind of resigned to it because it felt so um, impossible really to change. And that was because it was constantly there. It was a constant reminder of the things that I didn't necessarily have growing up and how they were impacting me. And it was a constant reminder of what I didn't currently have either or what I perceived that I didn't currently have. And so it was really great that I had my friend Christy because she um, is such a compassionate person and I still learn from her at times um, with showing uh, a more nurturing side. And I think too, um, with that, I don't operate in feminine energy. I operate more in masculine energy and that's a survival thing. And especially as a mom, um, I think, you know, we're given this visual or this perceived image that moms are supposed to be nurturing and loving. And, um, but at the same time, we really do operate a lot from masculine energy because we are the decision makers, especially if you're a stay at home mom. But even if you're a working mom, you're still making the decisions. What are you going to have for dinner? What are the kids going to wear to school? Uh, who's going to pick the kids up? How are you going to manage your work schedule and get the kids from school? You know, oh, the kids have to go to aftercare this day or you have to get a friend or a family member to pick the kids up. And so I was so stuck in this masculine energy mode. Mostly that was because that's just how I operated for so long. At this point, I didn't even know the difference between masculine energy and feminine energy. I just was living. I was surviving. And so um, I didn't really know the difference between masculine and feminine feminine energy and I also how can I put this you know and it wasn't and I kind of was raised where not kind of I was raised like oh you're not bleeding get up you're fine and so honestly I don't remember if Casey cried when she saw the stroller um or what the reaction was I just remember in that moment being embarrassed for myself and Casey embarrassed that I didn't handle that situation uh, with the greatest sense of compassion or grace for Casey because she, in 2006, she was three and a half. She hadn't turned four yet. So, um, you know, also cognitively, she probably wasn't aware that she was going to fall getting out of the stroller while it was still moving. But it was so um, insightful, you know, watching Chrissy and it was like mental note, oh, duh, Kim, this is what you do. <laughs> When your kid hurts themselves, you comfort them. And then you can explain that we don't get out of the stroller when it's moving. So um, while that response wasn't completely inappropriate, it just should have been the first response. And I realized in that moment, reading this uh, meditation, I didn't comfort myself. Ever, really. I, I didn't really comfort myself. And I often blamed myself for when things didn't go wrong or felt defective when things didn't go quite right or always just kind of felt like at blame, to blame for whatever didn't work out or could have gone better or should have gone differently. And so I was the scapegoat nine times out of 10 
um, regardless of whether it was something that was at my fault, someone else's fault, and differently at fault. And so I just didn't comfort myself. It was more of like, oh, you're such an idiot. Why did you do that? You shouldn't have done that. And so while I didn't comfort Casey when she fell, I didn't comfort myself for missing the opportunity. I'm sure I beat myself up for that. Oh, Kim, you were so stupid. That's so embarrassing that your friend had to comfort your kid for you because you didn't do it and you couldn't see to do it. And so self-compassion and that comfort and that nurturing for myself would have probably come more easily if I had stepped out of that survival mode and into more of a living mode and a, an embracing the current moment mode and really being fully 100% present in that moment instead of just flying through life on autopilot. And so, you know, what I realized as I continually read these journal entries is that I blame my parents for a lot. And while my childhood wasn't perfect, it wasn't horrific either. Um, I did not endure physical abuse. I did not endure sexual abuse. It was more emotional neglect from my parents. Um, And that's because they were going through their own stuff. So my parents divorced when I was probably four. They had horrible marital problems. And that was because my mom had unhealed childhood trauma. My dad grew up in a household with codependency. So there was a lot of unresolved issues there. And my parents were present for me in the best way that they could be and with what they knew how to be. Because still to this day, um, my parents are not aware of patterns that they run they're not aware of why they run those patterns. There's no awareness there. Um, I know my mom recognizes that she struggles, but she, and she knows why because of the trauma that she experienced in her childhood, but she doesn't understand the deep rooted consequences of those traumatic experiences. She doesn't understand or necessarily see the people pleasing or the procrastination or their perfectionism. Um, or the lack of boundaries. And so uh, those were the behaviors that were modeled for me growing up, but that was the best my parents could do at that time. And so the piece that I was missing in this moment is that I had to take responsibility for where I currently was and stop blaming them because I couldn't go back and change my childhood. I couldn't go back and negate those experiences and create something different. It had happened. It was in the past. And so rather than being stuck on the fact that I learned these unserving behaviors from my mom or that my dad couldn't give me the nurturing that I needed or my stepmom or my stepdad, um, instead of staying stuck on those, it was, should have been more of like, oh, there's the awareness there. I had the experience of codependency growing up and that was a pattern I was running. Oh, I'm running a pattern of anxiety because of X, Y, and Z. Oh, I was a victim or I suffered or I experienced childhood emotional neglect. And okay, so that is where, that's what happened. But what am I going to do now to move forward? Blaming my parents wasn't changing anything. Um, because if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you'll see that for a year or however long, um, I've been reading these journal entries. Um, they, it hasn't changed. So this journal, I started back in October 1st of 2015. And now here we are on March and a lot of it is the same patterns. It's the same complaint that my childhood impacted my ability to function as an adult and, you know, and I wasn't living life like regular normal people because of this traumatic experience that I had 
or experiences that I had and the abusive boyfriend. So I was very much stuck in the past and not recognizing that, okay, what are the lessons I learned from those situations? What knowledge or information did I garner and what can I use that for in order to move forward? How can I use that to move forward so that I can nurture my kids and comfort my kids when needed? So that I can nurture and comfort myself when needed? That I can be a nurturing, comforting wife when needed? So that was really the the piece where the sticking point was that I was so stuck in the blame and the shame and the embarrassment that I wasn't able to step outside of it. And so, um, and part of that was giving myself a place to heal. And so, um, when I lived in Middletown, Delaware, I never really loved that house. We bought it. And from the time that we bought it, I just felt like it was a constant, um, headache and it was sucking the life out of me because we had to constantly work on it. It, we were the fourth owners, I think, and it just needed a lot of work. And so it got to the point where my husband and I, we had put in so much money and I was getting to the point where we were going to price ourselves out of the neighborhood. So we made the decision to sell it. And I always said that that house wasn't ever really meant to be mine because the people who bought it from us love that house and that's their forever home. And they just, I mean, the minute they walked in the door, they fell in love with that house. So I always said I got it ready for them. And then we moved to Maryland and that house felt more at home to me, but I was in such a, a state of turmoil at this time that I couldn't really allow myself to fully relax and feel comfort in that home because I was so stressed out and uncomfortable and hyper-focused on the negativity in my life that I couldn't stop to say, I'm home, this is a safe place, I can make this a cozy place. Um, and that's partly because I don't have an eye for design, for interior design. So I usually ask uh, my aunt to help me or one of my girlfriends to help me. I have a couple girlfriends who are really good at interior design and they help me. Um, but it's, again, it's something that I don't necessarily find joy in doing. And so for a long time, the walls were bare because it felt stressful and overwhelming for me to go put accessories and decorations in the house to make it feel cozy like a home. And so um, one thing that I know now to be true is that um, the whole house didn't need to feel cozy. I could have created a space. That could have been a space in my closet, setting up a little altar with pictures of my girls and my husband or and crystals. And um, I have a little Buddha statue that I love and just making that my cozy place so that I could just go stand in my closet and do some deep breaths if it got to the point where I felt like I was stressed or overwhelmed or unsafe or not nurtured. And so I made creating this cozy space so much more complicated than it needed to be. But the other piece is kind of like I couldn't comfort myself. I couldn't allow myself to create that feeling of coziness in my home or anywhere for that place, for that matter, um, because I didn't on some level feel worthy enough of safety. I didn't feel as though I was deserving of that. And so I couldn't allow myself to have that. And so part of it was just, um, you know, Melody Beattie, it's so simple, but in the moment it was so challenging to learn how to comfort myself because I had to A, recognize that I was suffering or uncomfortable or hurting or in pain and needed comforting. 
And that was out of my comfort zone to give myself that recognition to like, wow, Kim, you're having a really crappy moment right now. Take a minute and comfort yourself. Give yourself that compassion that you would give someone else and, and accept it. And that was the other hard piece. Even now, sometimes, you know, it's a struggle to accept comforting or compassion from someone else um, because it's not the way that I operated for so long. And so it's all about the awareness. It's all about doing the mindset work to recognize that you are worthy of being cozy and comfortable and safe in your space, in your home environment. Um, your work environment, it's, you're absolutely worthy of being safe there, feeling safe and feeling comforted there. And that goes for home that it goes for anywhere really. And if you are traveling, if you travel a lot, or if you're on vacation and you're having that moment where you don't feel necessarily like that cozy, safe space kind of feeling, go into the bathroom and close the door and take a hot shower. Just put some hot water on your face, get a warm rag and put it on your neck just do something to take five seconds to acknowledge yourself and to recalibrate so that you can move forward in a way that's serving for you. And so, and two, when you can start training your mind to recognize that you're worthy of being comforted, then it comes more naturally to comfort others. And so, um, you know, it, it's really just in that moment, it just felt so foreign to comfort others, to comfort myself, to create coziness. But it's so important because my whole goal in doing all the work that I did in 2015, 2016, 2017 for healing inner child work and um, mindset work and um, doing holistic healing, all those things, it was so that I could break the cycle of the generational trauma, not only for myself, but for my kids. And so that way I could show up in my relationship with my husband, my relationship with myself, my relationship with my daughters, my friends and family members in a way that was serving for me and felt safe rather than always feeling stressed and um, unsafe and vulnerable and um, just on edge. And so um, I hope that you found this episode helpful um, with taking time to nurture yourself and have compassion for yourself, but also the, recognizing the importance of creating that sacred space for yourself. And if so, please feel free to share this episode with your friend. And um, if you have questions or need guidance, please don't hesitate to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. Um, you can shoot me an email, all of the, um, contact information for my social media handles and my email are in the show notes. So thank you so much for taking the time to tune in and listen to another episode of one of a kind you, I hope to see you next week. Have a great afternoon.